0: Every year in October, 23 guys don a black and gold jersey to embark on another year in this historic franchise in one of the most historic hockey towns in the nation. Every October, Bruins Nation comes alive with the thought of Stanley Cup playoffs and 17,565 fans fill TD Garden every single night religiously. We've seen the best of wins, we've seen the worst of losses, we've seen playoff hopes come alive, and we've seen dreams die in 17 seconds. It's all happened in front of our faces. This year was no different. This Bruins team fought till the end. They gave Tampa everything they had, Detroit everything they had, and the Eastern Conference everything they had, coming up short in the final moments in Ottawa. All we know is that this team fought hard, and we'll break it all down tonight, and we look forward to next year. The series finale of the Boys of Beantown starts right now. Star! Bergeron! Bergeron! Seven, and the the Broadcasting from the heart of Austin, this is the Boys of Beantown. Your source for weekly Bruins news, analysis, and updates. Austin, last week when we gave our bold predictions, you said that the Bruins would have three 30-goal scorers and still not make the playoffs. Unfortunately, I have to commend you because you're correct.
1: The last one ever, Louis and I nailed it. Louis
0: Eriksson scored a final. He scored a goal. He, he like scored a it. goal in Detroit. They gave the goal to him. Believe it or not, making him a 30 goal scorer for the year. The Bruins had three of them: Marchand, Bergeron, and Erickson. Congratulations, Mister Bumpus. In this I must time of sorrow. In the time of much sorrow, Bruins Nation.
1: I have some happiness. I have something to hang my hat on as we ride off into the sunset. Don't, don't
0: start now. I don't want to start crying. Anyways. Don't, don't
1: tear up just yet. As,
0: you know, as much as it doesn't matter right now, uh, we're going to look back at the last week of games just to see what went right and what went wrong, starting with Detroit. five of the two win at TD Garden. In front of the uh, Garden, Faithful, Pasternak, Marchand, Stemniak, Krug, Eriksson, all netting goals for the Bruins. A downright great performance from a team that at that time looked like they
1: would be a playoff contender because they just beat the team they needed to beat. At that point, I think I was telling you that whole time, that like whole couple days leading up to it, I think I said it on the podcast, that I just didn't think they could beat the Detroit team. And, I mean, they proved me wrong there. I'll take, I'll take my uh, loss and run with it. I mean, I took that win with that prediction. But I really just didn't think... That- the Bruins had, had it in them to pull out that W. As soon as it happened, it's one of those things you think if you can beat Detroit like that with such high stakes, can you ride out the momentum? And unfortunately, we saw they did not. You know,
0: it's, it's one of those things. And 34 shots on goal for the Bruins, 53% in faceoffs. Tuca Rass stopped 13 and 15, only faced 15 shots. So it's not a huge test for Tuca. It shows that the offense is keeping it in the zone a lot. And it's, you know, they played well. It's the first time Boston's had three 30-goal scorers since 2002-2003, which is unreal.
1: I think top scoring line, too, is what we talked about last week. Top scoring line in the NHL, which those, is
0: crazy. Those three guys are disgusting. You know, Claude was mixing up lines. He was getting the young guys in. It was an all-out effort to beat a team. You needed two points. you went in and got two points, and it seemed to really help the team out.
1: It was just an all-around effort, too. It's a big, like, you saw 15 shots on goal. Yeah, Tuka let in, two of them, whatever, but... Strong defensive performance, you're not letting them get into your zone, you're standing there 34 shots on goal, 5 of them getting in, it was just perfect, it it was literally like the Bruins hockey that we're used to, we thought they were going to ride that into the playoffs and everything just kind of well. But
0: Let's talk about that for a second, if you were at the Garden on Saturday afternoon for the matinee season finale against the Ottawa Senators, you were expecting a couple of things. One, the Boston Bruins needed two points. They would not make the playoffs without it. And if they took the team to overtime and lost, they still had a little bit of a chance, but Philly needed to play really bad. And if they lost, Philly would need to lose out, which, let's be real, folks, they're not going to lose out against Pittsburgh and the Islanders. It's not going to happen. You're, if you were at the Garden, though, on Saturday afternoon, you would have also noticed that jo- Jonas Gustavsson came out of the tunnel for warm ups with Jeremy Smith behind him and Tuka Rass taking a seat on the side of the ice taking about three or four shots as a warm-up, and then proceeding to undress himself as he claimed he was sick. You know, claimed he was sick sounds really He says bad, he was coming out of both ends. There were rumors that he was sitting in a bar the night before, which are unconfirmed, that we will not confirm them here because we cannot. But still, the biggest game of the year. You need two points to survive and go to playoffs. It's one of those things where you have to be in your damn deathbed to not play in that game.
1: I, yeah, I mean, I remember getting the text from you saying that Gustafson was coming out and just full panic coming from the Joshua Powers camp. But, I mean, it was just one of those things, like you said, I, I feel like no matter what happens, you need to kind of tough it out there. I mean, you look at some of these other goalies that probably would have fought through it. I We don't know the logistics of it. We don't know how sick he, if he was sick, how sick he was, like, I mean he didn't
0: look good on the ice We'll say that He didn't look like he was feeling very well on the ice But you're calling up Jeremy Smith Who has 15 games in Providence He spent over half the season in Iowa Playing for the Iowa Wild on a loan From the Providence Bruins Let's just say that for a second He was on a loan from Providence That says something right there And you know Gustafson comes out We all know We've seen it before That Gustafson has one major flaw he is a rebound
1: machine. It was uh oh, what, I believe it was Jeremy Reimer in the Toronto series a couple of years ago, that once you notice, like, hey, this guy, as soon as you shoot, that rebound's coming out, you just need to start taking advantage of it, and Ottawa took that into full force, as you can tell by the 6-1 to one score with thirty six shots.
0: <laughs> well my problem doesn't necessarily come from the six to one score. It comes from the six unanswered goals that Ottawa scored. Pagawa, Smith, Neil, Smith, Pamel, uh, Zajinobot. I mean I mean like oh God, you go into the second period of the one nothing lead, you're riding a good momentum. Really good play in the first period. I thought the Bruins had the game in hand. At home nonetheless. At home. I mean you know Gustafson stops thirty of thirty four. And that tells you something, ladies and gentlemen. Two empty net goals. And this is what is bad about It's the fact that in the third period, nine and a half to go and six and a quarter to go, you go on the power play, you pull Gustafson for a six on four, and both times auto scores empty net goals from 170 feet away.
1: At that, It was just, like, depressing. It wasn't, like, at that point. Momentum. Killer, I know you. Well, at that Destroyer. point, four to one. Like you, kind of. There's always that feeling in the back of your head, like this might be it. This might be all over. And as soon as you see Gustafson come out, they score. It's just the wind taken out of your sails. Everything you're just like it's. All it's. Done. I
0: mean, it's already four to one, and you're trying to make a comeback, and that fifth goal goes in, and it's like that's it. Yeah. It's it's a miracle work now. Forty shots on goal for the Bruins, thirty six for Ottawa. Bruins are fifty seven percent on face offs. Gustafson with an eight eighty two save percentage, which is dismal. Beyond dismal, that's disgusting. I mean, oh, God. Goals leaders for the season, Marchand with 37. Krejci with 46 assists, led the season for the Bruins. And Patrice Bergeron with 68 points for the team overall. Unfortunately, it was not enough. 330 goal scorers is not enough to put you in the playoffs. I mean... And that be- says something about the defense. Yeah,
1: that... That, I give this all to the defense here. You look at that top line, Bergeron, Erickson, Martian. I mean, we were talking about it before. It's just how strong they really are. I mean, think about how the Bruins were getting ready to get rid of Erickson by the trade deadline. We yeah. full, Everyone fully expected it.
0: I mean, and granted, he wasn't performing the trade deadline. He wasn't scoring goals. Think so about obviously how he just to. spiked.
1: I know, but still. And just all that potential God. wasted. Not I mean, the way on the negatives here, but we wow.
0: literally have three thirty-goal scores on this team, and we're not making the playoffs. Bruins management, if that doesn't scream in your freaking face that you need a top-four defenseman on this team. I don't know what will, but the I don't th- know what will wake up the freaking management of this team if that isn't it.
1: It just seems to me that they're kind of trapped with what like. It's either commit on the offense and lack on the defense, but if you start getting rid of those offensive talents and try and bring in a solid defense, like you're going to lose out on those goal scores. Like, I feel like you'd have to get rid of a guy like Erickson or Martian to get a solid defensive or defenseman, and at that point you're ruining all the chemistry of that first line that was keeping this team in the playoff race until the very last minute, and it's just... I don't know. I mean, I know we talk about the youth all the time and all these guys coming up and like eventually you're going to have to make the move. But right now they're just trapped. And I don't know what I mean, the management can really do there.
0: The problem is, is that you have a young core coming in. You have Pasternak, Nock, Achara, You have all these guys that are making way from Providence and they're damn good hockey players. But how many guys in the National Hockey League really suck at playoffs because they never played in the playoffs until they were 15 years into their career and they have no idea what it's like? You have to at least expose a young core group of players to postseason hockey because it's a whole different breed of animal. Yep. And if you don't expose them to, play, to postseason hockey, then, wh- I mean, wh- what do you expect to do? The you know, thing they're going to gonna me, choke
1: when it comes time. The thing to me that, to way like really focus on a positive here, I've been preaching it for the past couple weeks, the youth coming up is so good and like the potential coming from everyone that's in the Bruins system or all the moves they could be making with the draft or getting a guy like uh, Vesey or anything like that. I mean, the options are there, and I think it's the same situation as you look at with, like, the Red Sox, where they're close. They have, like, talent now that can do it, but it's scary to think where they could be in, I'd say, like, four years when these guys that are the youth of this team become the core and are really talented. You look at a guy like Pasternak, who... Really picked it up towards the end of the year. I mean you would,
0: yeah. No, he didn't. He's play he plays well. But you're looking at your defensive core right now, and honest to God, I mean you cannot win when you have Chara as one of your lead defensemen. He's playing twenty five minutes or more on ice every single game. I mean Chara Krug, Michael Lyles, McQuaid Miller, morrow Seidenberg, Trotman.
1: Yikes. Yeah. I mean the only two real I mean Seidenberg, yeah, he's been kind of hit with some bad injuries the past couple years. Chara, getting old, whatever. Krug, I think, showed some real promise this year. I mean, I know he didn't do great as far as, like, goal scoring whatever, but he was contributing, he was getting these assists, he was doing pretty well as a solid defenseman, but he needs more... Not like him, but just more solid defensemen to back him up so he's not doing everything. And Something. Chara, Chara so is not, just not So you're not being it. left out to dry.
0: Exactly. Because Chara is leaving guys out to dry. There were so many times, and I was like, what is going on with Chara and these crappy passes that he's attempting to do?
1: I will say, though, at the same time, because we, at the beginning of the podcast, I know this was way back in October, I believe, huh. uh, math, yep. eight months ago, we were talking about get. I don't know if my math was right there. That was probably six months ago. I, it was like thirty weeks. Almost. I'm not a math major or anything, but we go to Emerson. Yeah, or exactly. Not. Um, but Chara, I remember talking about trade, and I'm talking about like what could you get for him. We were literally exploring that possibility to death. Really, I mean, he showed he was. I'm not gonna say good enough. I'm just gonna say he was. I guess solid enough. He's 39. He was born in
0: 1977. But to, I mean.
1: He showed up in some key moments. You have to admit, like, there were a couple times that we lose those games, we're out of a playoff. He went without 24
0: trying. games out a point, so we'll start there.
1: I know, but I'm saying there were key games that he came in clutch in the third period. Do you, see, just,
0: do you see a single top-four defenseman in that entire defensive lineup?
1: I mean, I'd, I'd still say Krug has potential. I know
0: Potential, but he's not. Not yeah, as but, of right now. Not
1: as of right now. He is this, not
0: a top-four defenseman.
1: I think he uh, he's close. I'm going to say he's on, like, the brink of it. I mean, I wouldn't say... I mean, I think he is a very good defenseman. He's a top defenseman. If you are calling him, like, one of the best four on your team, like, that's a bit off. No, no, no,
0: no, no, I'm not saying top four defenseman as in top four on our team. I'm saying top four defenseman as a top defensive player in the league. That's a bit tough, Right now, all of our guys are five and six defensemen on any team in the nation. They are number five and six defensemen.
1: I still think Krug could Krug be. Krug
0: has the possibility to be a top four, yeah. but he's not there right now. I McQuaid think gets too good, hurt. Look at Kevin how- Miller sucks. Yeah, he sucks at <laughs> playing hockey. Joe Morrow, didn't see much of him this year. Den Seinberg, getting old. He's 34 years old. He's never going to be a top four defenseman in his life. Zach Trotman, too young. Didn't see him too much this year. Char, forget about it. Take the C off his chest and give it to Bergeron. You know, John Michael Lyles, he's a rent player. He played okay. But, I mean, you know, Crew's the only guy on there you have a possibility of a top-four defenseman. But
1: the thing is, and like I just brought up with the management, like, the Bruins are trapped at this point. There's nowhere you can really go. You can't go out and get that top-four defenseman unless you're going to trade one of your top-offensive off like offensive players, one of your top forwards, like Erickson or Marchand. You're obviously not getting rid of Bergeron. Of Anyone else, no. look at that offense. Who else would you get any value for? You're not going to trade Krejci, I don't think. I think he's too important to this team if he's fully healthy. Not to mention the fact that he's going for surgery, which we'll talk about in a bit, but you can't trade him up that. Exactly. I mean, the only names on there, like, yeah, you can trade a guy like, so, like a Jimmy Hayes or something, but you're not going to get a lot of value. Pelesky, your... no
0: return. Exactly. Bergeron, not trading. Brett Conley, zero return. Louis Erickson, maybe. I think Erickson. Maybe. I, I wouldn't if he wanted, doesn't test the free agency
1: market, the I problem, wouldn't want to trade Erickson. Is the thing the I problem, would,
0: Well, the problem with Erickson is his no trade clause is fifteen teams long.
1: Yeah,
0: he will not go to nation, half the National Hockey League. Okay, so that's that's the big problem right now. What you're dealing with Erickson trade clauses? Landon Fraro not get anything for him. Jimmy Hayes a little bit maybe, maybe if you're lucky. Chris Kelly broken femur <laughs> nothing. He's still a good defense uh, on offense. I'm not saying he's not.
1: He might not be back with the Bruins next season.
0: You never know. But coming back from broken finger, no one's going to want him. David Krejci, no. Brad Marchand, not going to trade him. David Pasternak, I you're think, not going
1: to touch him. I think Marchand now. I think the time to trade Marchand, if there ever was, I know you. Th- it's like every it season Exactly. It's every offseason you hear like, oh, Marchand's going, whatever. It was the same kind of thing. This with is Luke where you to do it. And, yeah, after a season like this, this is where you get the most value because you have no idea what will happen next season. You you never expected Brad Martian while people to be no, the no, top goal not. scorer on this team.
0: Tyler Randall, no return. Ryan Spooner, minimal
1: return. Lee Stepniak, no return. I also wouldn't want to get rid of Spooner at this point. I think he had such a strong year. We were looking at it, he missed, what, like two games? And he was just a strong, I guess, member of the core, if you really think about it. Not that he's like a top forwarding. He's not like a first line or not, I don't even think he's a, really a second line like talent. I mean he's up there for sure. But I think he's a very solid third line center to get that energy going. I think no, you I, don't absolutely. get rid of him at all.
0: I mean at Spooner he started to play well. You know and like I said you only missed two games. He started performing. He was setting pucks up. You know You also have like Vitrano. You don't get rid of him. You don't touch him with a 10 foot pole that's if a, you're But that's team. the youth. Yeah. Right. You don't touch youth core. But besides defense they also need to be healthy. And we thought that this team stayed pretty healthy, except for right around the winter class, we had a little bit of problems. But now we're learning that is not so much the case. Yeah. David Krejci announced he's going in for hip surgery in the offseason, which is why, because how many weeks in a row have we commented how much he sucks at hockey?
1: I'm not going to say he sucks at hockey. No, he no, but in the past it, yeah. weeks, we've commented
0: he, saying he's sucking at the game of hockey. Yeah, he, was he wasn't bit, playing you well. You
1: could tell he was a bit off. Something was e- going on. Exactly.
0: And guess what? Ding, 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 ding. That's why, folks, because he's going in for hip surgery. He did not know what was going on. Now we know why he wasn't playing well. Tugaras said, quote, I just hit the uh, hit it at the worst possible time. Nothing you can do. When you're sick, you're sick. And trust me, if I felt like it was a chance I could have helped the team, I would have gone out there, but I couldn't even stand up. For not even being able to stand up, you did pretty well standing up during warm ups. You did okay taking a couple of shots and skating out and skating back but and skating in the tunnel.
1: That's a lot different than I, 60 minutes. Of I hockey,
0: know, and but that's
1: where you don't want your the 24-hour
0: stomach bug on the day of the biggest game of the year. Get,
1: oh god, it can't go any worse. I mean, seriously. Then, but that's another thing, and this is just something to look at. Not that I mean, goaltending was kind of a problem in some clutch situations, but you need a solid goal. I know you have Malcolm Subban coming up in the ranks, maybe. Who knows with him? Boy, he has
0: some good angel experience. Yeah,
1: exactly. So you, I think you need to really invest in a solid backup goalie for times like this because you don't want a guy like Jonas Gustafsson no, of in course a not. key game against Ottawa of all teams to go out there give up six, I mean four goals, really, and just ruin your chances at the playoffs. You need a solid goaltender. Not that you're gonna find someone on a Tuka level to be his backup, but like No, at least I mean get you're not gonna find someone you're gonna reliable. pay eight million dollars a
0: year for. Exactly. That's that's obvious. But you do wanna find someone where if you put him in the game
1: Martin Jones would have been nice if they had kept him. I don't know. I why. loved
0: when they got Martin Jones. I understand I they, tom- they wanted to trade him out yeah. because they wanted to get, you know, return for him, but damn it. That Martin was- Jones if Martin Jones was our backup goaltender. One, I don't believe we're even in this predicament of having to fight for our lives on the last day of the year because he's a great backup goaltender when Tugan needs to rest. I would say I'm not gonna
1: like say they're the a kid top had fourteen. Four
0: shootout. he no sorry, four shutout wins in his first four professional hockey games. You could in New England, you guys have seen him. If you traveled to Manchester to watch the monarchs play the Province Bruins, or you've been in Province to watch the Monarchs play last year, you saw him. You understood what he was capable of. And he came to the National Hockey League and kicked the crap out of the half the league in the Western Conference. He's a great goaltender. Yeah. If he's on this team, one, you're not fighting for a playoff spot right now. You're I would say op-
1: like a five or a six. I'm you're a gonna- five
0: or a six. You're not yeah. a top four, exactly. but you're not sitting in the nine seed fighting for your freaking life. And, and just in case you were, you win that game against Ottawa because he doesn't give up rebounds like Gustafson exactly. does. It's not a capable, ba- capable backup situation that you need to have. And when you have a goaltender like Gustafson who's giving up rebounds left and right, Ottawa's not dumb. They're not very smart. They're not <laughs> a great hockey team, but they're not dumb. They know the basics. They know the basics. They know, oh, look, he's giving up rebounds. Let's put it there. Exactly. Ding, ding, ding. That's how you score goals. But Marchand will suit up for Team Canada. Bergeron has decided not to. He was fighting an ankle sprain, which is why he missed two games this year. We all remember what happened in Winnipeg when he got into one of his four career fights. Then, you know, he lost. That was always a tough one to lose. Chris Kelly was actually close to return. On the last day of the year, he was skating in morning skate with the team. He was practicing with five other guys on the ice. They were doing drills. They were doing worms. He looked outstanding on the ice. I was watching him for a couple minutes. He looked like he fit in. He looked like he was over the broken femur, and he could have come back in the postseason, according to Bruins.com, but he
1: looked okay. It's just Now it's sad to think that he may never suit up as a Bruin again. Don't even because I I'm just saying to like put that out there, he was talking about it in his uh after season like media availability that it's been great being a Bruin, but like he understands that if he's not back, like it's just part of the business and I fully think it's one of those things you don't want to take a risk. Yeah, he's a great leader, yeah, everything like that, but after a broken femur like that, you're not gonna come back the same guy, I mean, as much as you'd like to think about it. And also, I know, like, I know you're he's not also going like, to. He's also gonna, he's getting up there in age. It's one of those, you have the strong youth core coming up that would really take Chris Kelly's like, usefulness just out of and, the whole and equation. The, the Bruins have a good point here. Can you imagine if he didn't get hurt? The
0: production levels he could have had alongside Erickson, Marchand, and Bergeron.
1: Yeah, like, I think he would have been. I mean, he would have been more reliable. I think he would reliable.
0: Point. I think Marching gets less goals if this is the case. But
1: I think, but the, I mean, just the fathom.
0: We 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 may not be in that situation. You know what I mean? Yeah, I mean, there's but a
1: lot of ifs going on
0: as far as injuries. There's so many ifs. It's the end of the year. Exactly. You have to give the if game right now. Yeah. But on top of that, De, uh, Dennis Seidenberg, he was missing the last couple of games. Bruins Nation, you all sat there scratching your heads. No one wanted to talk about it. He was an adductor strain in the groin. That's why he wasn't playing. Brett Connolly was sidelined, Jimmy Hayes was sidelined, both with MCL sprains by the end of the year. All these injuries that the Bruins management's not disclosing.
1: I mean... Yeah, but a lot of them, too, like, obviously they were playing through them at, like, there's a fine line between having to disclose and put it out there, because at that point, you know kind of when to... Like, the other teams would know when to target and everything like that. You see Bergeron's line coming out, you know he has a bum ankle, like, push the pace, do whatever, but... It's one of those things. I don't think you had to really disclose it, but at the same time, you, you got you you to gotta you do gotta, something you about it. You got to do something. You can't
0: yeah. just be like, undisclosed, undisclosed. Don't tell anybody about it. But the nice thing about having a young, a young core moving into Boston now is that you have a lot of guys who have gotten NHL experience, but they have this wonderful miracle called the two-way contract, which I love with all my heart. And for the Bruins... They've now sent Nolachari, Max Talbot, your favorite guy, Frank Petrano, and Colin Miller to Providence because just because you're done playing in Boston doesn't mean your season has to end. Exactly. And I'm very glad that those guys, besides Max Talbot, because he's a lost cause, is going to get traded or released. He's going to score 4,000 goals in Providence. Great. But you know what? Those three guys now... Those are young guys, besides Pasternak, he's going to play in the Worlds. You know that. Yeah. You know, he's going to go wreck some, some... great experience. He's going to go wreck some havoc over in Europe for a little while. But those three young guys now, you now get that experience. You get that chance to have some AHL playoff action, because Providence is making it to the playoffs, and it just, it's more games and more development, and there's nothing bad that comes out of that
1: whatsoever. And you know they're going to do well. I mean, you saw guys like Vitrano and everyone just lighting it up down there, and... I mean, it, no bad could possibly, unless they get hurt, knock on wood. But seriously, that's the only thing that bad could come out of this. It's great experience in kind of a playoff setting. And what more could you ask for?
0: Well, you know what? You can't ask for much. But can I go on one final little tirade? The series finale of the rant segment? Of the rant segment. Oh, God. I just, can I, I time it. Yeah, if you want to. I, I, know got, we- I got one thing that I need to talk about that I, I've avoided talking about this entire podcast because I wanted to wait until towards the end because it's a big subject in my heart and something something I feel really passionate about. All Are right. you ready? We're ready? Three, two,
1: one, Okay.
0: Bruins Management, I am pleading with you, and I am pleading with you as a Bruins fan, as a sportscaster, as a broadcaster, as a podcaster, as a journalism major, as a human being. Do not... Fire Claude Julian. By doing so, you are giving an open invitation to the Ottawa Senators to snatch him up like a piece of candy on Halloween. And they've already fired their head coach. they fired most of their coaching staff. They're making room for Julian, just waiting for you guys to pull the trigger. Please don't pull the trigger and blow someone's head off with a shotgun, okay? Because that's the analogy of what you're doing. You're going to blow this team up if you fire Claude. His leadership skills are there. If you had told us back in October that this team would have been fighting for a playoff spot come the last game of the year, we would have called you insane because it wasn't a playoff caliber team. They were crap. They didn't have good young core. We started off really bad in October. We didn't have good starts. It wasn't until almost the Winter Classic we were like, wow, this team maybe have a chance until the Winter Classic where they sucked. But even after that. You didn't give Claude a chance to have a great hockey team that can actually make the playoffs. You had crappy guys who were not doing well. The veteran core was getting older. You weren't bringing guys up until half the season was over with. You can't do that and expect to be a Stanley Cup contender. Bruins management, it's your fault that the Bruins didn't make the playoffs. It's not Claude Julien's fault. He passes Art Ross for the winningest coach in Bruins history with a team that has no business winning any hockey games, in my opinion. Some yes, and granted, they beat tougher edge teams, they lost to softer teams, because they played to the level of their opponent. And you can't blame them for that, because they did it, but they did a little bit too much, and that's why it didn't work out. And on top of that, you know, on top of playing to level your opponent, if you listened to any of your players on media day, you would have known and you would have heard them saying that it's not Claude's fault, it's theirs. They didn't want it bad enough, it's their fault, it's not Claude Julian's. He's been here for nine years. It's a very impressive tenure as a head coach. He's made playoffs seven times. He's brought a Stanley Cup to Boston for the first time since 1975. How can you hate a man like that? He has over 390 career wins with the Bruins, and by God, he deserves to get to 400, maybe even 450 by the end of next hockey season if he has a really, really good hockey team. But firing him is the biggest
1: mistake that the Bruins manager can make. That was, I think that was the longest rant ever. Must be three minutes. Two minutes twenty-three seconds. Damn it! I was so it, close. it was close. And to be honest, I thought when you started that rant, you were going to go on a rant about firing Claude Julian. No, I don't want him fired. I was talking. I was talking with a friend the other day about whether or not they need to fire Claude. I've gone back and forth on it, and I think I was talking to you about this. That it's more the management's fault than Claude's fault. He can do as well, I mean. He kept this team in the playoff hunt with. Really, only three strong offensive players, and like we talked about, like no defense, and that's really all you can ask for. A lot of it is just guy, the GM, and everything like that leaving Claude Julian out to dry. He's been a great coach. I mean, yeah, you've had a if couple it, rough like, seasons. If
0: anything, you start with the manager. You fire management
1: people. Exactly. And like, like you look at these comparisons. Cam Neely, I'm looking at you. A couple seasons ago, what was it? 117 points. <laughs> Yeah, uh, in 2013, but 2014. But he was given a good team to play with. Exactly. If that was a Stanley Cup contending hockey team. Exactly. If you give them the resources, everything will go perfect. Exactly. And then everything fell apart once you started getting rid of guys like Aginla and you got rid of Lucic and everything like that. Think about how I think this team would have been great with a guy like Lucic just kind of roaming around that Julian could kind of coach up. It's, and a, work it's, a mixture, it's a
0: mixture of Peter Shirelli screwing the team before he left because he had no interest in Boston, and Don Sweeney really trying to like
1: rebuild, rebuild it. So if, I, I, you just can't fire him. I, yeah, I think he's too strong of a head coach to get rid of him. That's all I'm going well, right to say. As of right
0: now, it is midnight on Wednesday. Claude Julien still has a job at the Boston Bruins. Next, Not expected to be fired.
1: Next week, I believe, is the end-of-season press conference. with uh, No, tomorrow. I thought it was the 20th.
0: Uh, Maybe it's the 20th. But in case you are following playoff hockey, a little bit of score updates for you. The uh, Pittsburgh Penguins beat the New York Rangers 5-2 tonight to win Game 1. Tampa Bay Lightning beat the Detroit Red Wings 3-2. Thank God, because I don't want Detroit winning anything in the world. And St. Louis is on their way to triple overtime in Game 1. That is a lot of hockey to play on the first playoff game of the year. God bless playoff hockey. As as much as,
1: as long as the Bruins, I mean, I know the Bruins aren't in it, but as long as there's hockey going on, you gotta love it. Especially with some talented teams in here, some key matchups. You look at that Blues and Blackhawks matchup. The only one I don't like, Detroit and Tampa. I could fall asleep watching that game all day long. But I mean, you look at it in a series like Chicago and St. Louis. I've been looking forward to that. That's just that's like a Western Conference Finals type of match.
0: Not to mention too that Tampa Bay won tonight without Steven Stamkos. That's a strong team. Like, whoa. And,
1: I mean, Stamkos might not be around in Tampa much longer. We don't know what will happen there. but
0: Well, with the injury, you never know. They might not be able to get returned for him. Yeah. But instead of a bold belief, Austin, what was your favorite memory, I should say? Going oh. back, I know there's a lot of episodes to go through. About 30 weeks' worth of episodes. But what is one of your favorite moments from doing this podcast for almost a year now? I'm
1: Not like a favorite moment. I think our my favorite episode... Sure, we'll do that. Has to be the Thanksgiving episode. That's one of our favorites. As far as, like, season one, that was our best, just because we got a lot better with this as everything went along. You look at that first episode. We both admit, embarrassing. Embarrassing. But once we hit that Thanksgiving, you're yelling at me about gravy. We're yelling at everyone about the. Well, team. you don't like stuffing, and I don't know. How or that's what we you we're talking. Gravy, stuffing. And stuffing. I thought it was. Why did I say gravy? I knew it was stuffing. You love gravy. I mean, no, I, I don't. Hey, I don't like gravy. <laughs> I don't like gravy. But that was. I think the like not peak or anything. That was just where we kind of came full circle. We were really like into this. We knew what we were doing, and we were having more fun with it. That was a really fun moment. That was like a turning point for everything. That's, I guess, my favorite moment, favorite episode of doing all of this.
0: I have to say that I have to go with the hashtag guests in your studio. (laughs) Go back to season one if you want to hear those. But please, I beg of you, do not tune in the first three episodes. They weren't very good.
1: I think that's a good thing, though, that we have those to look back on and be like, wow, that was awkward. But we've been doing this for... What was the math we did? Like 33 weeks or 30 something? 30 weeks. You had
0: 25 episodes to a couple weeks off here and there because technical difficulties
1: and for school vacations. Yeah, I think we took two... I think like two weeks off. Two weeks, yep. And, I mean, that's just something huge. I'll never forget it. I appreciated working with you, buddy. Don't oh, cry on no, me now.
0: We're not going to start. Ladies and gentlemen, for the past 27 to 30 weeks, depending on when you started listening... You have tuned into our podcast weekly to hear us talk about the Bruins, their news, their updates, what happened in the games, give you analysis, and give you stats, work with it, and we have loved it so much. We have thoroughly enjoyed interacting with you on Twitter, hearing about your poll questions, answering your poll questions, figuring out the good times and the bad with this team, and unfortunately it all comes to an end tonight as the Bruins do not make the playoffs. We may be back in the spring, we may be back in the summer or the fall, it all depends on how everything goes and how this team starts to turn out and if we can even find the time t- to build another podcast. But we can both tell you that from myself and from Austin here that we have enjoyed nothing more than bringing you what we consider one of the better news broadcasts about the Boston Bruins in the Boston area. We're not biased or anything, I promise.
1: Yeah, we're definitely at the top. I don't know what Josh is
0: we're talking We're totally the top. But ladies and gentlemen... You can always find us on YouTube, SoundCloud, and iTunes. You can email us at boysatbeantowngmail.com. Tweet us at Beantown. And as always, I am Joshua Powers. I'm Austin Pompas. And until the next time, go Bruins.